In 2015, writer Charles Soule and artist Alex Maleve teamed up to give us a Star Wars comic miniseries about a cape-wearing scoundrel, his best friend, and a heist gone very, very wrong. That miniseries was simply called Lando, and we're going to talk about it today. You're listening to Canon Catch-Up from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. You're listening to Canon Catch-Up. Uh, my name is Johnny Maynard and I am joined today by no fewer than three uh, Star Wars comic book fans uh, to talk about Lando, the comic miniseries written by Charles Soule. Um, first up, we've got a couple of very familiar voices. Chris, aka Star Wars Book Collector. How are you doing, Chris? I am very well, thank you. Good, good. Good to see you again. And we've got Dan Macquarie. Hi, you, Dan, aka Vader's Castle Library. Hello. Um, excited to be here to chat about Lando. I think we've been waiting for this one for ages. Um, other apologies if anyone listened to our last episode. Billy D. Williams has had to cancel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, Danny Glover and Donald Glover. Yeah, yeah, they've all cancelled. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm most gutted about Danny Glover, honestly. He he said he was too old for the shit, and then come on. <laughs> Last but not least, we've got Nick Conrad from Nick and Mellow's Hyperspace. Hi, you, Nick. Hello, I'm the consolation prize for you know everyone canceling. So you got me. No Billy D, <laughs> no Donald Glover, but I'm here. But you are in Lethal Weapon Five, aren't you? Instead of Danny Glover. Um, sure. Yeah, cool. Thank you. <laughs> sure, that works for me. Well, to be fair, Nick, I I strongly suspect that your Star Wars comic book knowledge um is probably better than Danny Glover, Donald Glover, and Billy D. Williams combined. So I'm kind of glad that you're here, um, and not them. So um, let's get into it. Um. Give the folks listening a little bit of context then. Obviously, we're talking about the Lando comic miniseries. Uh, this was a five-issue monthly series published uh, from July to August. Sorry, no, July to October 2015. Uh, trade paperback came out then January 2016, so just off the back of The Force Awakens being in the cinemas, uh, and then was subsequently collected again uh, in November 2016 in that sort of bumper trade paperback um, Heroes for a New Hope alongside the Leia and Chewbacca comic miniseries. So it's been floating around in a number of different formats over the years. Uh, written by Charles Soule with art by Alex Maleev. Um, guys, uh, there's so much juicy, juicy character and story content in this one that I was kind of worried that we'd forget to talk about the art. So let's just talk about the art straight off the bat. Um, you guys are probably all bigger comic aficionados than I am. Interested to, to hear your takes on on how the artwork worked for you in this. Chris, let's start with you. First of all, I can't believe how good the art is in this one. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, though, the art in this is stunning because it's yeah. stylistic without being self-indulgent. It's yeah. vibrant. It's vivid. It has its own defined tone. It is wonderful. Like, it reminds me of, if you look at some of recently, like Ario Inandito's work, not so much his more cartoony stuff, but his his other stuff, um, and uh, Minku Young stuff on Afra. it's that same kind of, like, almost brushwork style, more colours, almost um, post-crisis DC um, kind of style. Really good. Awesome art. And it's unique within the Star Wars canon, I'd say, the art is as well. I know Maleev's done other stuff, yeah. but he definitely made a stylistic choice with this one. For sure. I mean, I I remember enjoying the art when I first read this back when the trade paperback dropped, uh, but it's probably been a couple of years since I had read it. And I was surprised going back at how stylized it was, how different it felt to a lot of the more recent stuff. Um, but But I still loved it. Dan, what about you? How, how did you get on with Maleev's artwork here? Uh, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Alex Maleev fan. His he wrote, De he did the artwork for Brian Michael Bendis's Daredevil for years. Um, Wait, you like that, Marvel. Dan? Huh? You like Brian Michael Bendis's Daredevil? I, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, you've never mentioned Amen. it on any of our shows. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so Malieve is an artist that I really, really like. Uh, and the work you did on this is is excellent. Um, really stylistic, really just captivating panels. Um, and he draws Lando really, really well. Um, so yeah, it gets my it gets my tick of approval. Yeah, Nick, what about you? Yeah, just gonna echo what you guys said. It's it's very beautiful. It's kind of in its own little corner. I don't really think we've seen much like it in Star Wars canon, especially. And I'm a big fan of. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis' Daredevil as well, so I have fond memories yes. of reading those issues, and yes. I love Alex Maleev. I kind of hope he does more Star Wars work in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was genuinely blown away by this on revisiting it in the last couple of days. Just the panel-to-panel storytelling is absolutely pitch perfect and spot on every single time. There's not one moment in this comic book where I'm feeling like I've sort of lost the thread of anything or every panel is perfectly composed. It just works so well with the script that that, that Sewell's done for it. And then every now and again, you get these lovely pages that just... uh, The page as a composition with the panels is beautiful, like that, that wonderful double page spread of... Alexan and Pavel fighting the two Crimson Guards, the two Imperial Guards. You know, uh, it's just beautifully composed. Lovely, lovely so stuff. If if you've ever followed my um, Instagram account, if you interested, if you go back right to the beginning of one of the very first posts I did, because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, it was just some pictures of comic book covers for a while. But one that I'm very proud of was literally just a screenshot of the art in this comic and it like it, I, i've loved it for that long and it's 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 that panel it's that fight of the the fight the panel of the two the fighting of the two what they're called pavel and uh, alexan and pavel yeah sort of keyline slash feline clones of some sort yeah there's a, it's just it's striking it reminds me of the aesthetic from to the mid to late 2000s hip hop videos bear with me hype williams directed music videos they had that thing where they would have um so i'm thinking Kanye west gold digger those kind of things where it had the white borders and then the sort of block tone um center center line going through it and this follows that trend i don't know if that was intentional or not but it's a really it's a really cool aesthetic uh reference yeah it looks great it looks great all right um so let's think a little bit about the story um here we've got lando cobbling a crew together to to basically hijack um a, a fancy imperial yacht turns out the yacht belongs to someone rather more important than they might have suspected um before we get too deep into character and story something that sort of is it always at the back of my mind when I'm reading this one is when is this story taking place? You know, you know me, I I, I like a timeline spreadsheet. I like to figure out where things fit. Um, and and there, there are only a couple of little clues in the actual script and the dialogue as to sort of where the rebellion is at, where the war is or isn't that, you know, when do you guys think it's taking place? Any of you have any particular thoughts? Are we talking before, <laughs> before Yavin, after Yavin? Before Yavin. You think it's before? Yeah. That's what I think too. Yeah. I would say around about the time uh, that Lando's uh, dealing in puffer pigs uh, with the Rebels crew, I think it's sort of around that time. <laughs> yeah. This is a very different Lando to puffer pig farmer Lando. <laughs> I mean, you know, is that where he ends up? Is that is that, a, is that a desperate gig that he takes on after this because he's at a loose end? Yeah. Or is, okay. <laughs> yeah. Puffer Pig Lando is post Soul miniseries Trauma Lando. Got got it. Can't okay. wait for those action figures. <laughs> what inflatable Puffer Pig action figures? Yeah, Trauma Lando, Puffer Pig Lando, Riz Lando. <laughs> No. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't had like plushy puffer pigs out there to be fair um all right okay i mean i i think that probably does make sense um it's, it's interesting interesting then this this then is kind of in terms of the timeline a bit of an outlier uh and of all the marvel miniseries because all of the other ones you know leia chewbacca the handful of one are all kind of post yavin you know the, the story's moving along a bit um 
so it's interesting that they decided to set this one when they did. Um, okay. Let's talk about Lando then, the man himself. Um, what did you guys think of Lando just based on the movies or certainly before you came to this comic book, I'm assuming that your biggest reference points were the movies and may- maybe a handful of other stuff you might have read from the EU or whatever. Um, what was your take on Lando? Did you like him as a character before you read this, Nick? Oh, yeah. Um, Lando a top five character for me. Um, don't know what it is about Lando. Maybe it's his charm. Maybe uh, just how versatile he can fit in so many different types of stories. But I love that those classic stories of scoundrels turned reluctant heroes. You know, they have a heart of gold this whole time. Um, <clears throat> and I, I like how Soul writes Lando. And he's continuing to write him, obviously. So I just uh, I enjoy him. Um, don't know what it is. He's just always a character that... I feel like I could hop into any kind of adventure he's in and feel right at home. He's one of those kind of characters for me. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Dan? Um, Before coming to this, how was Lando for you? Yeah, I mean, I always loved Lando from um, Empire Strikes Back and from Return of the Jedi. Um, I mean, I was always more of a Han Solo guy, but I mean, I've always loved Lando as a character. But I feel like my Lando journey really started when I read this comic. Um, I think it was this and the subsequent subsequent Lando stuff that I've read since then that sort of really elevated him as a character. And um, I think <clears throat> this is the sort of definitive Lando story, in my opinion. Um, it, it tells you more about Lando's character than most of what we've seen from Lando before. Um, so that, that's where I sit with Lando, yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think I've, I've got a similar response. Uh, Chris, what about you? Um, there's a there's a phrase we've said on the Comics Roundup episodes quite a few times. <clears throat> and if you'll excuse my French, it's Soul can write the fuck out of Lando. Yeah. Because he can. Like, he, he, yeah. he captures Lando's voice like no one else. But not only that, he adds such a, a humanity to Lando because... If you, if you take Lando from just the movies, I mean, we spoke about this recently, actually. His character is kind of ridiculous. Like, he's he's a, yeah. he's a wink and a smile. He's a plot point in Empire Strikes Back. And then all of a sudden, despite having screwed everyone over, he's a general in Return of the Jedi. Like, a general. You know? Um, and he never really goes past that. He's a substitute for Han. He... He allows, he gives those characters freedom to do other things because, like, the fact you know, it allows Han Solo to be on Endor with Leia rather than in the Falcon. He's a plot. Yeah. It's a plot device. Saul gives him humanity, um, and he, especially his relationship with Lobot in this comic and in yeah. later series, no spoilers, yeah. um, is wonderful. Wonderful. I completely agree. Um, I, you know, you, you guys know me. I, I, I'm always a bit wary of the characters who think they're charming, you know, because I tend to find those characters not that charming. They kind of I kind of roll my eyes at them. A bit like Han and Leia do when Han, when Lando was trying to be charming in The Empire Strikes Back, you know, like, oh, God, this guy, you know, would he ever give, get over himself? Um, you know, and, and I completely agree with you, Chris. You know, he is sort of just a stand-in, you know, Part of the reason that the character exists is because Harrison Ford hadn't signed on the line for a third movie. So they had to bring in, write in someone who could potentially fulfill that role in the subsequent movie. To the extent that in the final scene, he's sitting in the cockpit of the Falcon, literally wearing Han's clothes. You know, a costume choice which we haven't seen since. Um, But, uh, you know, for me, like you, Dan, my appreciation for the character of Lando starts with having read this comic. Um, I thought I think Saul added so much um, to the character um, that I, f- I finally got him and saw layers to him that, that I certainly hadn't seen on screen before. Um, so let, let's dive into that. Um, in what ways then did this comic add to or change your appreciation for Lando as a character? And we can, you know, getting into specific events and sort of character beats and story beats. Um, Dan, what about you first this time? Um, I mean, I think there's an appreciation of who 
Lando really is in this that I don't know that you get from a lot of other material. I think specifically understanding this this sort of this ability, this unique ability he has to get people on side. Um that that land uh, that Lobot really picks up on uh, um, at the end of this and says, you know, you're, yeah. you're you're built for so much more than just ripping people off, basically. Um, and you know, we know he's got swagger. We know he's got charm. We know he loves to gamble. We, you know, we know, you know, we know he he likes to lie. But there's just something about Lando's ability to 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 lead essentially through all that mm. sort of that stuff that could be seen as a negative but ends up sort of at times being his positives and i think this this comic does a really good job of of highlighting that um and i think his relationship with lobot is sort of the the connective tissue that ties that element of his character together and soul mm. i mean yeah soul charles soul writes lando better than anyone has ever written lando um, and and this is where it obviously all started for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would throw in for consideration Daniel Jose Older's work in Last Shot, which I kind of hit a wall with on first attempt, but um, on second reading, really enjoyed some of particularly some of the Han Lando moments in in that one with Older Han and Lando. Let's not forget um, Shadow of the Sith as well, because everyone forgets that's a Lando book. Isn't yeah. it? It's more of a yeah. Lando book than a Luke book. Uh, and it's an excellent Lando book. Yeah, and also Just Alien Island did a really good job with him in Lando's look as well. If we're yeah. sick of talking canon. If, if, if everyone's done well with Lando, but I feel like Shadows of the Sith, Lando's look, they are a good interpretation of movie Lando. I feel like Saul just made him so much more. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, are there any moments, Chris, in particular that you find re- revelatory in this that sort of added to or changed your perception? Um, it's it's his warmth for Lobot. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most eye-opening yeah. thing because on the surface of it, Lando is is cold. You know, he's a cold chancer. He's a gambler. Um, mm. But then you may you realize in I mean, you see glimpses of it in the movie because you can see his affection towards Han and the fact that he doesn't sell him out completely to Vader. Um, but there's so much warmth and affection uh, between Lando and Lobot in this that it yeah it's quite eye opening. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I think because <clears throat> we don't exactly know when this takes place in the timeline of things, like we talked about earlier, but. I think the one thing the story does really well at is kind of, I get the sense just from the story, this is kind of the first time Lando is really, the stakes are so high that he realizes that I could really screw up and hurt not just myself, but other people. And it seems like most of his life at this point, he's been you know, gambling, swindling people, gotten away with it for the most part. He's been lucky, not really had to deal with a lot of repercussions. And to me, this feels like the first big repercussion he's had to deal with uh, because of his actions, because of his choices. And I think that's kind of, this kind of plants the seeds for things to start turning for him. Um, And especially with, we know what happens to Lobot by the end. I think this is kind of the eye-opening thing for him. So that's kind of my main takeaway from this one, the first time I read it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there were a couple of points for me that certainly, you know, even that, that, that opening section where we see him possibly post-coital with a, a, a moth, uh, an imperial moth. And, you know, he wants to steal this trinket that she has. Um, you know, and, and he uses his charm and sort of, he actually, he's honest with her that he wants to steal this thing and he needs to for reasons. Uh, but he uses his charm in a really interesting way. Um, that actually, as he explains it to Lobot later in the, in the cantina, sort of has actually avoided bloodshed, avoided bad feeling, avoided her chasing them across the galaxy, you know? And I thought that's a really interesting use of Lando's charm. You know, suddenly he wasn't just this kind of roll your eyes kind of, oh, he's just charming people because he thinks that's how you get your way. It felt very thought out and actually sort of a, almost a, 
strategic and also weirdly compassionate way of of doing of stealing from her you know in a weird way she, she's left feeling good about it because she feels like she's helped out her buddy lando um so there was that moment and, and then later this amazing because they build up throughout the novel um sorry the the comic run that he hits blasters you know he doesn't want to use them um and he's a terrible shot you know this this is his running thing and then when it comes to it he shoots i can't remember if it's alexin or pavel you know point blank range cold without any warning um and he says to lobot you know there's no point in a bluff if everybody knows you know his whole shtick is that he never uses blasters now, again that's a really interesting play on lando you know um that he is deadly with a blaster when he needs to be um and he's just as dangerous as many other folk in that regard but actually he'll only pull that card out when he absolutely has to um and again that that was a nice little nuance that i hadn't really hadn't seen before in any of the stuff that, that i'd read about lando in the eu or, or or wherever there's definitely an element of manipulation there i mean he 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 gets the uh, uh, one of the twins to you know it's just like oh we'll come to my side we'll go you know, he, he he brings him over to side to then shoot him. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, the whole point that Lobot makes about Lando's ability to sort of, to, to, to charm people, to, to swoon people, you know, to, to bring people mm-hmm. on side. I mean, yeah, he uses yeah. that for to pretty dark means um, yeah. in that moment. And I think that is another important part of Lando's character. This isn't quite hero of the rebellion Lando yet this is still gambler smuggler pirate Lando who's got a way to go before he's close to being a hero can I just add as well the timeline wise I've had a look on Wikipedia and it says it's zero BBY they've placed it in between Princess Leia and Chewbacca oh have they so they're in in the sort of in the links in Wikipedia where it says preceded by followed by uh, just, just in the, just in the canon timeline, it's. So, so they're saying this is post Yavin. That that is interesting. Ooh, interesting. I mean, I, you know, I I do for convenience, I slot it post Yavin on my chronologically ordered bookshelves. But in my mind, when I'm reading, it, I'm like, yeah, this is sometimes slightly pre, just because there's no mention of Death Stars blowing up or the actual war being an all-out war at this point. But it's it's interesting now. Now this is a question, so. This story is carried on and almost sequelized and referenced in the current Star Wars run by Charles Soule. It doesn't just carry on that story. It actually has flashbacks and it has a few scenes just before and just after the opening scene of this comic. Okay. So I wonder if there's more clues in there as to the timeline. Interesting. Well, when when I finally get to the trade paperbacks of those, I'll be scarring every single panel for, for clues. Um. You get to see Lobot in a wig, anyway. Cool. I this this is an aside. I really like that that Lobot with the the wires dangling down, like sort of straggly hair um, from from that from from those later comics. Right. So I mean, I, I've mentioned some of my favorite moments from from the comics, certainly in terms of Lando's character. Uh, for you guys, was there a particular moment in this comic when you realized that it was great? You know, maybe a moment when it just went from being you know, a good Star Wars comic to something that was actually quite exciting and quite special. Obviously, Lando's character is probably the biggest one, but we've mentioned that. So the other thing is his relationship with Lobot and the character of Chanaf Cha mm-hmm. that gets introduced in this. So this comic, if you didn't know, is kind of the start, the start of the Soul-iverse, if you know what I mean. There's so many things that are seeded in this, which he then carries on and picks up in Vader and other series. Um, and it's it goes to surprising places. So the character of Chan Cha is introduced here, but then you get her backstory flashed out in Vader. But, and that's really cool. Uh, and their relationship is really good. And the dynamic, um, and when you realize that moment, when you realize they know each other. So you think that Chan Cha is there to get him and it's, and that's going to be the antagonist of the series. But the moment she realizes who it is she's chasing, it's like, oh, crap. And then she's instantly on side. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. It's a really cool moment. She's not really even conflicted. She's not even conflicted, even, no. even though she's working on a direct commission from Palpatine. Um, yeah. She's immediately choosing the option that allows him to live. Yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously, Chang Chai is a character which is fleshed out again in Saul's works in Star Wars, Vader, um, and other Vader later on, Greg Pak's Vader as well. Um, but I think the most surprising moment in this comic is how it touches on Sith lore, mm-hmm. um, which again is seeding other things from Saul's, yeah, yeah, you know, further works um, with Darth Momin. But I just found that really interesting. You don't expect to see that in a Lando series. No, you don't, do you? And it just gave it, gave it an edge. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely, absolutely. A really interesting way of bringing that sort of Jedi Sithy stuff into a sort of a Star Wars underworld story that otherwise you know wouldn't necessarily have any of that stuff in it, but it fit absolutely perfectly. Um, yeah, yeah. You mentioned a couple of the characters there. Chris, so maybe, maybe that's a good segue in, into chatting about some of these characters. I, um, again, on rereading this, was, was just reminded by how inventive Soul is here. So much so that, as, as you say, some of these characters have come back and back and back. Um, are there any of the new characters who are introduced in here that um, particularly stood out for you? Chris, you've mentioned Chanath Cha. Um um, uh, or Nick, how, how did Chaneth Cha work for you guys? Um, no, I really like Chaneth Cha as well. Um, I, I think she she proves to be a really interesting character. It's a nice introduction. Um, and she does get really fleshed out in Vader's, in the Charles Souls Vader series. But for, for me, the character that I surprisingly found myself really liking was the, um, I can't, is it Sav, Sava? Have a Corrin pairs. You love a good Ugnot, mate, don't you? You love an Ugnot, particularly like yeah. a university lecturer exposition Ugnot as well. Yeah. Which most of the time I don't like exposition y characters or scenes, but it's just Charles, Charles Soul has a way of just like dumping 10 pages of exposition Sith lore onto you through this one character and it actually doesn't feel forced, doesn't feel expositiony and is really interesting and really convincing. So yeah, that's the character that I really liked. How many Savas do you think we've had now in Star Wars? There's a few in there. I've I've lost count of all the Doctor Aphra ones who have popped up. We had we have There's been various Savas in Doctor Aphra, haven't we? There was one in um is it Gillen's Vader as well? Yeah. There's quite a few. And obviously the um the one from Crimson Rain, the the witchy Swamp bitch, she was. She used to be a saver, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one of the new characters that's introduced. I think he's introduced here. I did forget to double check on Wikipedia, um, and it's a character that I sort of. I think DJO has used more often in more recent years to the point where I thought. I think I'd forgotten that Soul probably originated him here. Uh, Papa Torrin, you know the sort of crime lord uh, who speaks very softly but has these little winged imp pixie creatures who actually speak for him i think he did start here yeah i th- I think this is his first appearance i remember him mainly from the second afro arc in the auction i think that's where he's featured most prominently yeah yeah do you remember, do you remember that the yeah. auction scene yeah yeah he, he's i'm sure he's popped up elsewhere i think djo has definitely used him maybe even in high republic adventures i can't remember I'm I'm on Wikipedia, mate. Appearances, yeah. So first appearance was Lando. He's since been in Afra, Crimson Rain, and Poe Dameron. So no um, DJ. Really? It's just it's all Saul apart from Alyssa Wong's Afra. That's fascinating. I think in my brain I've just put him into sort of weird Star Wars whimsy category with DJO. Yeah. Sorry, not Alyssa Wong's Afra. Karen Gillan's Afra. Okay, got you, got you. Um, but you know, I, I really like that character. I think it's really neat, inventive sort of Star Wars alien we'd never ever seen before. Just again, another nice little, another nice little flavor in this mini series. You know, something something genuinely new, which you don't always. Well, get. If, if you look at if you look at Souls of a work over the Star Wars things like Eight Billion Genies, they are they do have like a serious edge, but they are full of that kind of lightness and whimsy. Mm. Um, so I, you know, and he's a lot of his stuff is. Um, 
I think we, we, we mainly associate him with stuff like, like the Jedi and Darth Vader, which are deadly serious, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what about Alexan and Pavel then? Um, the, the, I, I really don't know how to describe them. Um, are, are they canine? Are they feline? Um, they're definitely clones of some sort and seemingly lovers too. Um, Nick, what did you make of these guys? You know, they're kind of, I don't really have any complaints about this series, but they're kind of the one complaint. They just feel odd. And I know Star Wars is a very odd universe, but these two feel kind of out of place for me. I don't know what it is. Um, and I, I kind of found it interesting. They weren't talkative until they needed to be, or mm. and then they became violent. And I do enjoy, I guess the purpose of them in this story was kind of to have someone be corrupted by the Sith artifacts. Um, they were just a little odd for me. I don't know much. Uh, don't really know if I have interest in seeing them going forward or anything, but um, the fact that they were clones of some sort, that's kind of fascinating for me. Uh, seeing yeah. a different type of clone than we're used to. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've got a slight um, problem with uh, one of them insofar as uh, Maleve at one point certainly forgets which arm Alexan lost, or is it Pavel? I can't remember. Um, it's definitely his right hand that gets chopped off um, when it happens, but later it's definitely his left arm that's missing a hand. Um, well, maybe that panel was in a mirror. <laughs> it could I mean it it's in Palpatine's chip right it's all yeah. chrome isn't it <laughs> yeah I mean I think I assume more likely they flipped the panel somewhere because it made for a better composition or something like that and that's kind of that, that, that's why it's happened um, I can't believe he'd do that Imagine. <laughs> here imagine. he's back he's back again <laughs> all right Chris Chris what about you did, did you like Alexan and Pavel uh, yeah, they're cool. I mean, they're just visual characters, aren't they? There's nothing really there. They're just right. there to be visually striking, and it worked. I imagine in the original script, there wasn't much to them, yeah. and really Alex Maleve just went crazy. Yeah. But I'll be honest, like they they lent to some of the most striking moments in the whole series, mm. and consequently, all of Star Wars comics. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Um, as actual characters, though. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that little panel. I think it may even be as part of one of those lovely spreads of the you know the hand to hand fight they're having with um, the Crimson Guards, and uh, they're sort of I think they're both kind of in holds or on the floor, kind of on the back foot, and they just kind of turn to each other and smile because uh, they're having an absolute ball. You know, even if, even if they're currently um, on the floor and uh, you know about to be killed, um, I thought that was kind of fun. Dan, what about you? Any, any other thoughts on Alexan and Pavel? Not much else to add, to be honest. I think they serve their purpose in the story pretty well. I particularly like the panel when one of them stood in front of Moment's mask and sort of the red light shines onto them and they get corrupt. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of can't get over that they sort of look like Marvel's Black Panther, but two of them. Um, yeah. That's sort of the imagery I consistently got. Um, so I'm just sort of picturing like a Russian version of Black Panther because of their names. I'm not sure why. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, to, for me, this is a Lando and Lobot comic and they're there to serve a purpose. Um, and they serve a good purpose. But as Nick said, I'm not fussed about seeing them again, to be honest. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let, let's talk about the the big other character here. The sort of the, the relationship that sits at the heart of, of this Um miniseries uh lobot obviously um what are your impressions what were your impressions of of lobot you know from the empire strikes back and then sort of having having that character expanded really and explored for the first time um here because i don't even think he was explored in the old eu that much he certainly hadn't cropped up in the early eu books i read in the 90s as a teenager um nick what about you thoughts on lobot yeah, um, not really much thoughts at all. I just remember, you know, as a kid and watching Empire, and I remember I'm like, that's that one action figure I think I have somewhere. I don't remember his name. Um, mm. And I enjoy kind of, I think Star Wars does this better than any franchise ever, is there's a, a background character or a character with a very small role, and they expand on them and give them so much more life and meaning. And 
after reading this and then what's to come in the current Star Wars series, like watching Empire now and seeing Lobot, it's like it hits different, you know. Um, I think that's that's really the that's the right the hallmark of a good writer. They can make things prior media feel different, you know, trying to change your perspective on things. Yeah. Absolutely, because I think I think I was surprised. In a way, I was surprised reading sort of the early, you know, pages of this comic that oh, Lando and Lobot are buddies. I never really saw that coming, or saw that as a possibility. Um, and it, and and everything that we know about them now, um, you're right. Those, those tiny little interactions between them in the movie totally hit different now. Um, now that you've got this, um, Dan, what about you? How how did you? Feel feel about Lobot both before you'd read this and then sort of having read this and what Soul does with Lobot here it was very quiet and physical in Empire so coming into this I didn't have much of an opinion about Lobot otherwise apart from the fact that the implants are a cool visual prosthetic um but coming out of this the Lobot lander relationship means a lot more I know why Lobot is the way he is in Empire because of this. And the idea that he used to be really talky before Empire is something that's just really, really unique and interesting. Um, And I mean, it's something that me and Chris and John have talked about a lot on Comics Roundup, but what Soul is doing with Lobot now, particularly in the Dark Droids event, um, he's just wrapped up a a brilliant Lando Lobot storyline there. Um, all, all, All of that is a huge payoff from what Soul started you know, way back in 2015 with this series. Um, so Soul can keep on writing Lobot for as long as he wants because he does a pretty damn good job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd be fascinated to read more of Soul's take on Lobot, but almost set before this. So, you know, the, the, there's a little allusion in here to Lando says to him, you know, you agreed to get the implants. You, you let the Imperials give you the implants so that, you could, you know, sit safe at, back at base making battlefield calculations for them, that sort of thing. It's like, okay, so did he work for the Empire? What's that story? Mm. You know, I was suddenly intrigued by what what Lobot's backstory actually might be. But wasn't there a character in Rebels uh, that Ezra knew that also had those implants? Uh, Zebo. Yeah. Zebo. Yeah. 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 Zebo. I think was he was it? in the first or second season Zeebo? of Zeebo? Uh, Rebels. The yeah, similar implants, and he, he did battlefield tacticians, if I'm not analysis and stuff i'd forgotten about that guy there's also a really petty annoying imperial guy i think with glasses in one episode who maybe has them as well or Does maybe echo have it as well kind of yeah echo. You do? echo yeah yeah echo's got the same bad, bad. I guess. Yeah. yeah 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 he does. i think yeah. It, although it still bothers me how he can get his helmet on and off with that there. It, it clearly doesn't work. There's no way to make that work. Um, but, space tech. Yeah. Space, yeah. Space magic. Because... Um, yeah. I was going to say, but Johnny, if you want to see more Lobot in this relationship, you are going to love Star Wars. I, I have really enjoyed, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, you know, I have had an up and down journey with just the mishmash of all four of those titles running and the crossovers and stuff. And I can't, you know, between Hoth and Endor, I think a lot of it's quite messy, but one of the things I really enjoy every time that star Wars run comes back to it is Lando Lobot, you know, certainly in the early couple of volumes, there's a lot, there's enough of that that I was really intrigued and I'm really looking forward to finally, you know, I'll I'll grab it when the trade paperback drops, the dark droid stuff. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm going to defend those comic crossovers quickly. War mm-hmm. of Bounty Hunters is messy, I'll give you that. Um, but it's better if you read it as a complete thing. But the other ones aren't so much. But I imagine you they annoy you because there isn't a clear timeline. No, it's not that. It's, isn't it? You, you know, do, do you know what it is? And anyway, I, I don't think it's because I've been overly influenced by listening to you guys in Comics Roundup. I really don't like Greg Pak's Vader run. It leaves it's kind of ruining that whole era. It is ruining that whole era for me. And you know, and I'm being over dramatic because it's not, because I'm clearly enjoying the the other stuff. But it's just you know, already Star Wars clearly is the only one, is the only run that's kind of really, really trying to lead us 
narratively from Hoth to Endor mm-hmm. in any kind of meaningful way that's meaningful for the characters. Bounty for the main characters well. that were yeah, there, there for. Okay. I mean, it may, may be that that's coming in stuff yeah, that I haven't read. Is, yeah. 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 Um, they did it in a surprising way, but really but, good way. Yeah, I mean, you've said before in Comics Roundup, Chris, the fact that Greg Pak is just seems to be not at all interested in where mm-hmm. Vader's headspace should be weeks before Endor. Yeah, is just consistently cracking me up. And he hasn't mentioned, he hasn't thought about Luke my in thirty enjoyment. issues. <laughs> What's Do you know what I mean? That? He hasn't thought about Luke in thirty issues, no. and this is at this and, point he's meant to be conflicted about Luke. Well, well, not only that, you know, and, and that's and that's part of the lore that's been part of sort of the lead up to Return of the Jedi. For years, we've known about the deleted scenes where where Vader is reaching out to Luke through the Force. You know, we've seen those deleted scenes now. You know, and, and Luke sitting on Tatooine can hear Vader calling out to him. You know, that is part of the an established part of the lore. Why wouldn't you try to incorporate that idea that Vader's mind is turning back to Luke at this point? And you know, I find some of the stuff quite interesting. I don't mind a lot of the, the handmaiden stuff, but there's just a lot of Messiness in there, and, and Archie of Bestoon is the worst character of all time. I, I really no. don't like him. Um, <laughs> and this is a, a sorry, sorry, listeners. This has nothing to do with Lando, but I'll bring it back to Lando here. The way the visual storytelling with the Malieve and the Soul pull off here is flawless, page to page and panel to panel. Yeah, consistently, absolutely. I have quibbles. And there's a, there's not a single volume of Vader, the current Vader run goes by when I don't have some issue where I've kind of lost what's happening panel to panel or there's just really weird choices made where I've kind of lost the thread mm-hmm. or something very strange has happened and I'm not really on board with it because they've mistold the story. Don't worry, Johnny, I can I can link it I can link it back to Lobot because Ochi of Bestoon also has implants. Yay! Thank you. Okay, you know what? I don't, I don't even know if there that is go. going to make the cut on this episode because <laughs> no, it, it is, and I'll, I'll link it again. I what happens to Lobart in this series where he goes all like brain fried and mute? I want to happen to Ochi yeah. Bastoon because he's it's the not worst. going to though. Because again, we get a much better version of Ochi Bastoon later in the timeline in the Shadow of the Sith novel. Um, <sighs> yeah, I mean, yes, a bit more generic. Mm. But yeah, I'll take that any day over the weird Deadpool wannabe that we've yeah, got. Yeah, the shit Deadpool. In, <laughs> you know. Oh, um. A- anyway, look, we've we've touched on we've touched on various <laughs> canon connections in we've touched on various canon connections that uh, in this series already. Things that Soul introduced here that he's come back to. Um, you know, Lobot's story, as we've said comes you know returns chanath chaz explored again we've touched even even corin pears actually the little lug knot professor she popped up again in i think it was at guggenheim's han solo in like one yep. or two issues maybe um even the scimitar right the, 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 here's, here's another one the scimitar darth maul's ship uh another another little lore drop that the, the soul peppers in here um, what one that we haven't really talked too much about is Mo- Darth Momin and his helmet. Um, you, you mentioned Momin earlier, Dan. Can I? Can any of you remember? Is Momin actually mentioned by name in this comic? Yeah, he is. He is. is he? Yes. I think I'm, I'm, yeah. I must have missed it. Um, Lord, as I'm going through. He's called Lord Momin in this, not Darth Momin. He's not called Darth Momin until the Vader comic. Part of the exposition yeah. dump that Salakorin yeah. gives. Oh, well, obviously, he's going to be called Lord Momin because okay. it's a matter of who's telling that story, isn't it? So in, in Vader, the, 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 right. the yeah. conversation between Siths, isn't it? So they're going to call him Darth Momin. Yeah, no, I, right. I, I think it's a really nice detail because what it, what it says to me is that people didn't necessarily know that Lord Momin was a Sith Lord. So, you know... Because they were talking about him as a, as an architect in this, or a designer of yeah. Because he's not pre Bane, um, is he? It's post Bane. Moment. Yes, I guess we assume. But do, do we do we know for sure? I think so. I think I think you're correct, um, Chris. I'm sure, I think there's something which says it because it mentions the rule of two. Yeah. I think. I'm always intrigued by post Bane Sith Lords because how would anybody know? 
any of their names because they're meant to have been hiding. And as far as certainly at Phantom Menace, as, as, you know, in the Phantom Menace, the Jedi are like, well, they've been gone for a millennia. Yeah, but that's from the perspective of a few people in a galaxy of trillions. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, there's still going to be hundreds of thousands of people that know about the, the Sith, isn't there? I mean, they had a whole secret empire in Legends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I've, I've, I've always struggled with that. That sort of they've, they've been gone for a millennia, but somehow they also know that there's always two. Well, you, um, you got to think too. Even if you were to know about a Sith, there's not that many Jedi you can go run to. Well, and to tell. be honest, okay, Canon doesn't have an answer to that question. We know the rules are to exist. We know yeah. what Yoda says in Episode One. Um, it's Legends that has that consistency of the fact that Bane created the rule of two, but then never, never revealed that fact to the Jedi. So Yoda saying it is a bit of a, like a bit of a paradox in episode one, isn't it? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. In canon, exactly, we exactly. haven't had the Bane story, so we don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued. I kind of, I, I would love to know more about the sort of, almost like the, just like these weird dark ages, this sort of now, you know, now, courtesy of the high republic not quite a millennia but you know that this time period we have no insight into what, what's going on whatsoever i do think we will see a glimpse of sith in the high republic well whether the jedi I mean, will I don't know, yeah. but i think we will as readers mm. what maybe a tee up at the end of phase three for the acolyte or something just a tiny yeah little... or like maybe mm. like it's martians like involved with them somehow, like they're pulling the strings. I don't know. So there's going to be something, I think. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Lando, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lando, though. Back, back, you know, back to Darth Momin and his, and his helmet. Um, we haven't even talked about where else he pops up. What what the connections are? Anybody want to jump in on that? Um, I mean, he pops up in a little-known comic series called Darth Vader uh, by Charles Soule uh, that me and Chris talk about all the time. Um, and no, specific- really? specifically in the final volume of that moment is heavily involved with Darth Vader's creation of his castle. Um, I won't go into any more detail, but this is obviously where Lord Momin started for Charles Soule. Um and it's in a pretty significant character. So, in a roundabout way, Dan, are you saying I... that Darth Momin created your Instagram account? Yes. <laughs> Although, did he design the library? That is the question. That is the question. I don't know. I don't even think Vader's that big a reader, man. You know? He's an audiobook. Audiobooks. Audiobooks bumped into the helmet, mate. Yeah. yeah All yeah, the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. The little buttons are for. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that moment where he breaks into the Tantive Four, he's listening to the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's a big fan of of mice and men. I think of of mouse droids <laughs> and men. Yeah. Nice. I have a question because so I guess we've established the Lando series takes place, you know, right after Battle of Yavin, and the Vader series by Soul is much many years later. And it's been a while since I've read that. Do we know what happens to Momin's mask? Because it shows up here, and I can't remember yes. how did it end up. How did Palpatine end it's up? It's mentioned in a this... comic, and it gets destroyed, doesn't it, Dan? Fairly recently. Yeah, it does come up again, doesn't it? Do you remember? I think it was in Star Wars. It just shows up in like a warehouse yeah. somehow, and it gets destroyed and melts. Because we we spoke about it in comics. Oh, oh I don't remember. Yeah. That. That's... Is, is is Luke going to some sort of Mount Tantus type store storage unit of, of the Emperors to get something, and then is it there, like in a sort of Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, it's, kind it's, of it's way, just in the background. It's not a feature away. of the thing, and then, yeah. and then you see it get destroyed. Because I remember like Dan mentioning it on the episode, like, "Oh, Darth Maimon's mask got destroyed," and we're like, "Oh yeah, that's weird, isn't it?" But. Mm. Yeah, shows that, how, ring, that shows, rings the bell. Shows how good my memory is. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that. I'd have to look back. <laughs> All right. I mean, before we wrap things up, I mean, is there anything else that, that we should mention that you'd like to touch on before we before we wrap up? I mean, I'd I'd like to just say that 
this is still to this day the best Marvel comics, Marvel Star Wars comics miniseries. And if you haven't read it, you should read it. Everything that we've talked about, including um, Ochi of Bestoon and Danny Glover, yeah. all of it, all of it starts with this comic. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> go and read it. Um, genuine recommendation. Um, it, it is probably Charles Soule's second best piece of work after his Vader series. Controversial. Um, so yeah. Um... I'll echo yeah. that. I mean, we've, we've spoke about what happens, what we think of certain things, but we haven't actually given our opinions on the series. So I will just say, yep, this is possibly the best Star Wars miniseries. It's way better than you expect it to be because it's Lando. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love Lando, but you'd, you'd think that, you know, it would be Princess Leia or something that would, you know, be the one that really pops. But no, this is incredible. And like I said, this is the start of the Soulverse. You know, he puts stuff in this, which he's which he references in Vader, in Poe Dameron, uh, in everything. Like you know, it's just like all the authors create their own little universe, don't they? Like um, Justina Island has Devil on Pop Downer, all those things, and Claudia Gray has the Maxine Warriors, and um, that play that planet that da- that Johnny loves, the Irish one. Um, that's the one. Um, and this is this this is the start of the Soul timeline. It's great. Okay, cool, cool. I mean, yeah, Chris, it's really interesting. You mentioned there's lots of stuff that Saul comes back to in later stories and um, that, that he's written. Um, Nick, I think you had maybe a few details that, that you'd noticed that we maybe haven't seen or didn't get much background on and haven't seen since. Yeah, there's a couple lines in this story that, to my knowledge, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but like I, I don't remember ever reading that story or hearing about that story. Um, like Lando mentions when one of the Imperial Guards is, uh, the Praetorian Guards is taken out, he said, I, I personally knew one of them, and that's not what they looked like. That to me blows my mind. Like, how does Lando know a personal guard of the Emperor? Um, and then, of course, he references the adventures of uh, meeting uh, Chandra Cha, her name is, and uh, Salvatore, and there's just uh, little hints of stories that, like, I'd really love to read about. I'd love if Soul picked those up somewhere and kind of explored those stories. Yeah those elements absolutely i mean yeah or as i said earlier the, the lobot backstory there, yeah. there's lots of stuff in here he he seeded so much stuff in here and, he, and as, as we've said he has taken he's unpacked a lot of it elsewhere but there's still so much fertile stuff that's mentioned in here that um i mean you know he, he's already probably working himself to the bone for Star Wars. Uh, he probably doesn't have the time to do any more. But, you know, if, if anything else, if, if other stuff slows down, um, I, I'd happily see him dive into some of this stuff. You're absolutely right. He's 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 doing more, Johnny. He's confirmed it. He's got another series in the works that he's he's teased. That he's he says cooking. it's one that people have been asking um, for for years. Hmm. Well, I, I, would, I would assume that that's then Obi-Wan and Anakin hmm. coming back. Surely, I think I think there's a list of things. I think that Kylo Ren's be. more likely. That's one of them. Yeah, that's what, I was like, that's what I'm thinking. Like a a Darth Vader equivalent series with Kylo Ren. Do we need more Obi Wan and Anakin, Johnny? Don't put that idea in his head. You know why I want more Obi Wan and Anakin? Um, and, and it wasn't even Soul's fault. You know, I, I enjoyed that miniseries, um, and I'd like to see more. But there's a tantalizing thing in. I think it's uh, in. Aaron's Star Wars run around about Vader down, where clearly it's about uh, there's clearly an inference or explicitly stated that Anakin and Obi Wan have been to Vrugas Vast before and visited the temple there, and something important happened. Hmm. Um, and we never find out about that. We have, we have no idea. It was just kind of there, and it was clearly meant to be an important thing, and it's never it's, nobody's ever come know, back. Just, to it. I, f- I feel like there's just a. Uh, um... An oversaturation of Obi Wan and Anakin stories. You think? Oh yeah, we've yeah. got those IDW graphic novels coming out this year. No, I'm sorry, Dark Horse graphic novels coming out this year with them. There's all the Clone Wars stuff, Clone Wars Battle Tales. Show. So. Yeah. Just, just, just give me Kylo Ren. Give me Kylo Ren too. Mm. I mean, it was okay. Give me. I'm saying it could be better though. Well, that is true. Give me a. Give me a sequel series called Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. I love it. 
I would eat it. I would eat it up. Yeah. I mean, just as for sequel characters, I, I, I'd be, I'd certainly yeah. be more interested in reading a a Kylo Ren series set between the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker than than sort of something around the Rise of Kylo Ren era. Um, I think that could be more interesting. I just want like a Kylo Ren story set between Rise of Kylo Ren and Before the Force Awakens, where he's just like, you know, just being a badass. You could, you could do, yeah. Saul's Vader, twenty-five issue run. Yeah, yeah. For Kylo Ren, With Kylo you could Ren. do that for him. Yeah. Do a big epic yeah. thing where you see him like doing his thing. And I mean, I know the First Order weren't publicly opposing violently the the New Republic at that point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until years later. But you know, yeah, it could be like risen the, up in the other yeah. regions or something. The the, the Paul Dameron comics demonstrated that there's lots of fun escapades and conflict to be had in that era as well you know the vast majority of that run takes place in the run-up to the force awakens and there's plenty of action. yeah terex and all that yeah there's plenty of action well if we could have four comic events between empire and return of the jedi then i'm sure we could get a run in between eight and nine yeah like i just totally i want the run between <laughs> yeah, seven and eight i agree <laughs> yeah it'd be a one yeah. issue <laughs> The... Yeah, it'd be like one of, one of those little one-panel comic illustrations that they have in every one of the uh, certain point of view volumes. I reckon Charles Saul could get two crossovers. Between <laughs> and you know what? What yeah. they had for dinner? <laughs> right. Ordering pizza, a meal of the droids, or something. Like that. <laughs> Greg Pax Vader up. comes back. <laughs> <laughs> no. well, I, I think that's probably going to do it. For, I mean, this this was a conversation largely about the Lando comic miniseries, but um, it's always good to explore a few tangents. Um, Mate, you got two shit boys on here. Yeah, exactly, go well. exactly. You got to go. You just got to go with the flow. Um, yeah. Right, guys, that was that was lots of fun. Uh, thank you for that. Um, let's just remind the folks listening uh, where they can find all of us online. Um, Nick, if you don't mind folk finding you online, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm primarily on Instagram, um, CT0695. Um, yes, that's a, a clone trooper reference for those of you who don't know. Um, and, which, which clone trooper is it? Uh, that's the birth, my birth month and birth year. So I just made it up myself. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So yeah, that's my Instagram handle. Um, I'm usually talking Star Wars, Marvel, nerdy things. Um, and I'm part of nick and mel's hyperspace we're on youtube spotify you can check us out there and we would greatly appreciate the support yeah do do, do check that out folks uh nick i think i told you before i, I loved that recent episode you guys did on star wars and politics um that was, a lot, that was a lot of fun to listen to that that's my kind of jam um chris what about you if this if, if astonishingly this is someone's first <laughs> first time encountering you where can they find you instagram star wars book collector or well, sw book collector um on instagram threads facebook all the places one thing i will say is though if you just go quickly running back to lando if you wanted to sort of read the follow-up to lando but don't want to read a million issues of star wars it's issue 37 and you could conceivably just go in and read that 37 to 41 ish yeah 37 to 41 that's where it starts you could just conceivably read that without having read anything else and you'll be satisfied so if you want so if you want Lando too. Top tip. Yeah. Good stuff. And Dan, what about you? Where can the folk find you? Uh, Vader's Castle Library on Instagram. Um, and... See, every time you say that now, I'm going to think about Vader kicking back with Audible in his mask. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> Danny Glover. Sponsored by Audible. <laughs> fantastic uh, and of course uh, you can find me if you really really want to on instagram or threads as at journals of the wills that's journals with an s and wills with an h and of course you can reach out to the whole podcast team on all the usual social media channels and there you're looking for at swbc podcast so canon catch up will probably land i think friday next week unusually wednesday we're going to have a special star wars podcast day episode of the show uh celebrating 25 years of star wars podcasts and uh, we'll hopefully have um some audio from a handful of star wars authors and indeed a handful of star wars readers from around the community talking about uh why writing for and indeed reading star wars is 
special. Um, so keep your pods set to subscribe for that and more as usual. Um, all that remains really is, is to say goodbye. So it's uh, a goodbye from Nick Conrad. Goodbye. May the force be with you all. And it's goodbye from Chris. Bye. And it's goodbye from Dan. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Thanks for listening, folks. May the force be with you, and we'll catch you next time on the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Oh, my God.